Hey, how about them tops, son? All day, SEC boys. You're listening to the Red Out Podcast. Last week on the Red Out Podcast. First thing I would say, uh, you know, just looking at some stats against Akron, they gave up 359 yards passing. So I think. Obviously, you know, if Story can distribute the ball and, and get the passing game going, you know, a little bit even better than Duncan, I think, you know, I think that we'll be able to get some yards through the air. I mean, 359 yards against a bad Akron team, they gave up. And then Tyler Johnson, their their quarterback, has been pretty good for, or for two out of the three games, the last two games. But he's only a sophomore, and... You know, this is going to be like his first real road test. You know, it's going to be parents' weekend. It should probably be one of the best crowds of the season. So, you know, if, if we can get him to make some mistakes early, maybe he gets a little rattled and makes some mistakes. So, uh, you know, I think you know, UAB's got talent, but some of it's young and some of it hasn't really faced adversity. I mean, so I think if we can if we can keep the game close, force some turnovers and you know, get the passing game going. I think that's going to be the keys to uh, taking advantage of a probably a slightly better team than us. Everybody, welcome into another Red Out podcast. I am your ever-absent host, Jake. How's it going, guys? It's going good, except for having to listen to that entire thing that Ross was right for last week, I guess. But, you know, it's all right. Uh, so ultimate hot take turns so, out right now. So uh, I gotta say thanks to Jared for uh, do to uh, editing that clip there for us. Uh, my wife actually laughed. Of course, like the first couple of the uh, horns, she was like, "What the hell?" And then it was like, "Oh, that's great. That's <laughs> hilarious." And I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "It grows on you after a while." Uh, so just jumping in real quick, we got Ross, we got Jared, we got the ever absent Jake, and myself, Devin, in here. Uh, Always remember, guys, like, share, and subscribe, and we will jump right into it. Winners and losers this week. Uh, the loser is the Dolphins, always. That's always. Yeah, because they've already had a projected like NFL draft for 2020, and they have, I think, the Redskins, and then the Bengals. There's still other teams that look just as bad as the Dolphins. I don't know if you guys saw the Bengals play. But that was atrocious. And they're actually trying, which is the worst part. At least I can say the Dolphins aren't. So I don't know how Sam can defend that. Sam, if you're listening, your Bengals need some help. They yeah, need he's help. Uh, apparently he's calling out your Bengals, Sam. So you'll have to jump on and defend them. Um, so... They play each other December 22nd, so that could be uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, that could be. Um, could be the first uh, field goal to decide a game ever. So... Uh, Winner this week, I've got one. Uh, I've actually heard it on a radio show. The Buffalo Bill Wedding. Has anybody else heard this? Wait, what? Okay. Uh, I'm so, not really sure. So there are two Buffalo Bill fans. Uh, got engaged a year or two ago at a Buffalo Bills game. And then this year, I think it was this past week, they got married at the Buffalo Bills game. During halftime, they got married during the game. They have both been fans of the Bills for 11 years. So the punchline was that if they're loyal to the Bills, then there will nothing, nothing, and no one will ever come between them. And I was like, that is actually one of the funniest lines I've heard. Actually, <laughs> not uh, wrong. 
So, and and my big question is, did instead of like the the uh, Jewish thing where they say, what is it? Uh, they stomp the thing and do the Mazel thing. Tov. Mazel Tov. Yes. Uh, I wonder if they like jump through a table. Probably. Yeah. Isn't that like but a Bills first, thing? First of all, imagine being a Bills fan. Then, second of all, imagine just the entire aura that they have at Bills games. <laughs> I mean, getting absolutely plastered and throwing themselves through like burning tables just for literally no reason. And it's not even against like other teams like fighting anybody, like the fans of the opposing teams. No, they just do that within themselves. I'm just like, man, y'all are special kind of people. <laughs> yeah, well, in general, I will say that Bills fans have to be a special kind of people because they get like four foot of snow like in – October. I mean, I don't even. It's yeah. ridiculous. Imagine going to three straight Super Bowls and never winning one of them. Ouch! <laughs> it's almost yeah. as bad as being a dolphin. Uh, so, undefeated Jake. season. <laughs> Jake, do you have any uh, winners and losers, buddy? Uh, yeah. So, winners: the Forty ers because they didn't play anybody, so they didn't have a chance to lose. So they have somehow, with their terrible, terrible offense, managed. Uh, to win three games, just like their best start in over a decade, which is kind of insane. Hey, uh, winning's winning. I, you know, it's whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where we're at. We're at with the top. So, hey, don't have an offense. That's cool. Just intercept the ball four times. That'll be fine. Yeah, uh, hey, that's kind of what we did Saturday, so that's yeah. good. Exactly. We'll get there. Um, and then as far as uh, losers go, everyone that thinks what we're going to talk about with this uh, Senate bill from California means anything. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in just a second. But, uh, Jared, do you have any winners and losers? Well, I mean, you kind of already touched on the Dolphins, which, <laughs> I mean, it's still lost, which is what I'm expecting. They were leading for the first time this season, this past Sunday, and I was really concerned that they were actually going to screw up and somehow win a game. But thankfully they didn't, so everything's all right. <laughs> now I just need the Redskins and Bengals, and I think there's still one other team that still hasn't won a game, which is sad that there's still four winless teams. But they, I need them all to win a game. So Redskins, Bengals, please win. Ross, what do you got, buddy? So as the uh, resident baseball nerd on this podcast, <laughs> I'm going to go with the baseball team one. Uh, you know, last night's NL wild card game was awesome. I mean. They had a Bill Buckner moment. So the winners are the Washington Nationals, who technically advanced in the playoffs for the first time since, I guess, Washington hadn't won a playoff series since 1924 or 1925. So good for them. And then the loser would be the Brewers, and specifically rookie right fielder Trent Grisham, who's 22 years old, and he Bill Buckner an outfield uh, hit that basically gave Washington the free winning run to, to choke away the game. So, you know, baseball, they say you never have a clock in baseball, and I, we, I know you guys all think it's boring, but when you get to the tense moments like that where, where the unpredictable happens, that's when it can be a really good game. So, uh, Yeah, and I agree. I mean, baseball – baseball ranks higher than golf and NASCAR for me, but, you know, I mean, it's still – it's not a – it's, Speaking of the Nationals, though, I saw this hilarious watch the, meme. Watch the atmosphere and then compare, like, a, a lazy Tuesday game in July to what what's being played in Oakland tonight or last night in Washington. And tell me it's a, as boring as, you know, it's just, you know, there's there's urgency now, and, you know, that matters a little bit. So I agree with that. I mean, I think the problem with baseball for me is you play, like, the same teams, like, you'll have an entire series, and, I mean, it just kind of, 
just bores the hell out of you after a while. No offense, but no, I have an actual winner. I don't watch hockey either, so there you go. Uh, Jared, what were you going to say, bud? I have an actual winner. Now that you brought up the Nationals, you reminded me, Ross. <laughs> there is this incredible tweet I have to share. It goes out to Nathan Marzian. I think that's how you say his name. He says, wow, Nationals Park is so beautiful at night, and it's a picture of a wall's greens, and it's actually really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Just like with the sun setting in the background, and yeah, it has the same kind of script, W. So, Walgreens, I mean, Nationals. Well, Western's baseball logo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I suppose, too. That's funny. Uh, so Jake kind of alluded to it a minute ago, uh, and we'll jump on it. The the governor of California um, passed a law, uh, and a lot of I'm sure a lot of uh, sports people have heard this, and it's been it's huge news. Uh, it's called SB two zero six, and that is I'll let Jake explain it. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah. So every, there's been a lot of talk this week. Uh, about this new law that the California legislature has passed and that's everything that the governor signed into law, that it says, um, in no uncertain terms, that the uh, California is going to make it illegal for certain parties to prevent um, student athletes in the state of Cal- playing in the state of California from benefiting from their likeness. And this is only going to apply right now to actual four universities. It does not apply. Uh, to any community colleges that might have sports teams, though at the beginning of the act they do say they're going to create an exploratory committee to figure out whether or not it should go to, to that as well. It's important to give a little context. California already had a student-athlete bill of rights um, where they made certain things uh, mandatory. Uh, a lot of it has to do with like health insurance and providing scholarships after a kid gets hurt uh, playing for the school, nothing too crazy there. Um, the big news for this is that, what, or what everybody is, thinks is big news, is that now um, athletes playing for the NCAA uh, participatory schools in California are going to be able to make money off of their likeness. That is only kind of half true. So what it says is that this, the, the, um, that no institution or any um, intercollegiate body that governs athletics to include the NCAA shall prevent a student from participating in intercollegiate athletics because they have uh, accepted endorsements. Uh, it shall not you know, prevent them from, do, from receiving scholarships from the institutions. There's a whole list of things. And what people are saying is, oh, well, now you know, the NCAA is going to have to figure out how to deal with this because a bunch of states are going to pass it. it. It doesn't say that the NCAA schools have to allow this. Uh, or at least the, the NCAA has to allow this. What it says is that institutions and NCAA or other bodies, but they mean the NCAA, shall not prevent them from competing in intercollegiate athletics. The problem... Hey, Jake, Jake is, one thing to throw in yep. there is the law doesn't enact till 2023. So the way I read this, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is kind of a challenge saying, you guys need to figure out this issue. You've got five years to do it, and we're we're... We're doing the first legal hurdle for you guys to spur action. Is that correct? Well, some people think that. I will say that in 2014, when they passed, or 2013, 2014, uh, when they passed the Student Bill of of Rights, um, it was just a law that went into effect, you know, as of X date. And so at this point, the intent might be to try to force the NCAA to do something. Um, But if that's the case, then it doesn't. 
it's 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 toothless uh, a little bit because um, it, it, it you can tell it was written by people that don't necessarily understand the NCAA framework or how college athletics work because it doesn't define intercollegiate athletic activities to mean just NCAA sports right so it covers NAIA it's going to cover the Anything that's not governed by the NCAA, it's also it's just intercollegiate athletics. Um, Basically, so, a bunch of sports that don't have a market to be paid anyway. Right. Well, what what ends up what's besides it going? It, ultimately, this is going to nothing. So I just want to tell everybody, it's my, you know, I don't necessarily practice this sort of law and do this on a regular basis, but it's my interpretation of this, my understanding of how these things typically work. Um, you will not see anything on this even after that 23, 2023 deadline. What's going to happen is the NCAA is going to, if, if they do what everybody thinks, if they behave in the way that they have behaved since forever, is uh, they just will not allow the uh, schools in California uh, to participate in the NCAA. This doesn't mean they can't go play football. It just means you can't play in NCAA football. Um, you're totally allowed to play in, in IIA or your own California league or whatever, and that won't be a violation of the law as it's written. Um, now, it's important to note that there also will have to be um, California state regulations promulgated to talk about exactly how this will work. Typically, what happens when you get a law is this law gets passed, it's pretty bare bones, and then all these agencies come in and write, and um, they don't pass because you don't vote on them, but then these agencies come in and go, okay, here's how this is actually going to work. Bottom line is that this does not prevent the NCAA, this is not mandated that the NCAA has to allow people to get money. It in no way mandates that students are going to receive money because someone actually has to approach them to get it. And then other things uh, that restrict it are that you have to go, you can't compete with your school uh, sponsors. So let's assume for a moment that you go to an Under Armour school it's nothing in this prevents uh, the um, school from preventing you from taking a Nike, uh, Nike endorsement because you play for an Under Armour school. Um, so there's, there's all kinds of loopholes. There's all kinds of weaknesses to this law. Um, honest to God, how it's going to shake out is the NCAA is just going to pull the eligibility um, of the California schools until they figure, until they bulk um, and the California schools lobby for this to go away. Because, I mean, think about it, guys. Where's the money being made for these institutions? I mean, and I'm not talking your Stanford, your Berkeley's. I'm talking about like other institutions like UCLA, um, you know, um, San Jose State, San Diego State, Fresno State. Yeah. Right. So you're talking about schools like they make a lot of money off of TV deals and 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 they, again your your partnerships with the uh, athletic apparel people. And when that, if there's a state law that dries that up, that removes that money. They're going to – donors and boosters and big money people from Southern California are going to come in with big swinging you-know-whats and lobby this law away. If it were me, uh, I think this will not be settled until they take it through the Supreme Court, which they're probably going to do. And because the law goes into effect in 2023, you, you're figuring at least a five-year cycle. I'd say this doesn't get resolved for resolved by is this constitutional, can they do this, blah, 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 for like – Here's another question I have, Jake. You know, you've already seen other political figures on both sides of the aisle already jump in and kind of enter. You know, basically, there's going to eventually come down to maybe 30 different versions of this law, and 
the ins- and you know, I don't. I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. Basically, I think this is all just a giant political gesture to get to spur the NCAA into action. I think on a one-off basis, you're probably right, but you know, basically, if there's enough, if there's enough uh, political pressure all over the place, you know, the politicians have scored easy wins as public opinion is kind of turned on the side of the athletes and. Basically, the NCAA is going to be forced to address this as unlike ever before, is my opinion of the of the situation. Well, and and you're probably you're probably right that what's going to happen is they're going to do something, uh, but it's not going to be a full blown. You can go Zion Williamson and make two million dollars off of a Nike endorsement at Duke. Like that's not. Well, I mean, it, it's kind of like they did with the cost of attendance thing, like. It's ex- that's exactly what's going to happen. And what they'll do, most likely, um, because this is what the schools and the athletic programs and the Pac-12 and the SEC and Big Ten and Big 12 are going to lobby for, is they're going to lobby for some sort of equity amongst um, the players in those programs. So right now, um, as it stands, if let's say this were to go national and were to be in all 50 states, right? Um, and the NCAA was like, sure, that's fine, that's great. What would happen as we all know, is that, you know, in the free market, the value of a player is vastly different depending on where they go to school and how good they are. Not everybody on Kentucky's basketball team is going to get a $100,000 deal with Nike. Uh, two of them are going to get those. Um, you know, it, it's going to create this very disproportionate winners and losers in the athletic programs, and I firmly believe the NCAA, the institutions, and all the big money players involved are not going to let that happen because of the discord that will cause on a team. I mean, imagine, I mean, there's already discord when uh, individual players get more or less press. You see that all the time. If 20 reporters go over and talk to Charles Bassey and nobody talks to Tay, um, you know that creates a little bit of friction. It just has to. It's just it's human nature. So imagine that not just about media attention, but imagine that in um, an endorsement deal. Um, imagine it when you go and get uh, when you do. So they talk about this like autograph sessions. So the local car dealership, in order to drum up business, wants to do an autograph session uh, with your star quarterback from you know say Alabama, and nobody's trying to get the defensive lineman's signature and not offering any money. You'll see a profit-sharing thing uh, before you'll see anything else. And I, I, if I had to guess, that would be the most drastic thing that I would see happening. Is okay, Tua Tagliova, however you say his last name, Tagliova, uh, goes, and make, goes and makes uh, a $5 million shoe deal. Um, that'll be processed through the school. They'll make the deal with the school. The school will then... Uh, or they'll make it with a player, and the school will monitor it, because that's part of the rule, too, is you have to, like, provide financial counseling, like, all this stuff, which is smart. And then uh, that will trickle down to the student-athletes on a, like, portionate level. So, you know, your kicker's going to get to pay, and whoever's going to get this money, that's how it's going to go. I just, I cannot see a world in which college athletics, it's, it's so much money for it to go away, honest to God, because it, you're going to see, I mean, there's still money to be made, at your second tier, like okay, for instance, Louisville's a perfect example, right? Okay, um, okay, Jake, let me uh, let me uh, let me slow this ramble down just real quick um, <laughs> oh, because yeah. we can really you can go on for another twenty minutes like you've been doing, but we're gonna go I'm gonna right cut you that. I'm gonna cut everybody down to two minutes talking uh, so that we can kind of get through this quickly because Good I want to get to the meat of this and that's uh, Western football. Uh, so um, let me go to Jared real quick. I'm going to give you two minutes on the clock. When you hear Darth Vader, that's when you quit, okay? 
Um, so what? Good choice. Yeah, I thought that would be good. Uh, so what I feel we'll a lot do? Of pressure now. Yeah. So you've got two minutes on the clock. What we'll do is you discuss what your thoughts of SB two hundred six, the fair, uh, fair pay to play act, uh, and you'll start now. You know, I've talked to people that are a lot smarter than me that know more about this stuff, and I still don't know what the heck all of it means. <laughs> I mean. I mean, sure, that's kind of a good thing. Like, Zion Williamson, yeah, he definitely could have had marketing opportunities to where he could have signed, like, some type of deal where he's making money to be in a commercial or endorsing some products. But, I mean, for your average Joe NCAA college player, I mean, there's not that many. It's just the people that they think would be, like, a projected first-round draft pick. That makes a lot of sense. Like you're saying, only like a few players at Kentucky even would probably get any type of major endorsement. Of course, you would have a little bit like local stuff. I mean, like Ross, the whole thing with Trent Betting, I thought that was hilarious, talking about having them pick up somebody. But it's just stuff like that. I mean, there's so many layers to all of this. It's like a giant onion, and I don't really know as much about it. And it goes back to, will they bring back the NCAA football games? That's all I really care about. But how much money is a player supposed to get from that? Yeah, but I mean, th- how much are you going to get if every single university is on that game? How like you might get like five bucks or something because they used your number, you, they used your height and weight, and that's it. I mean, you can take any of the NCAA football games and edit the players kind of however you want into some of the roster settings, anyways. So I mean, why do they even need to use like a current like actual roster? They don't even use names. Usually, it's like auto generated; just uses the numbers. So I mean. Uh-huh. I don't know. I still don't know all the stuff that all of this means, but I will find out in 2023, I guess. I was going to say, you have 25 seconds, buddy. I'm good. I'm finished. <laughs> okay. Good, uh, so I'll Ross, talk more about the things I do know. There we go. Okay, I'll give, you, right. uh, I'll give you your time in a minute. Ross, two minutes, buddy, on the clock. Okay, uh, first thought, I mean, as this stuff progresses, I can see the NCAA pushing – you know, to get rid of draft restrictions where everything goes more towards a baseball rule where, you know, basically you can take it or leave it and, you know, that will, you know, give those players that probably could avoid uh, or could make money a quicker avenue to do that. And then they'll probably realize that, you know, going and playing college does provide some value that playing for the Bowling Green Hot Rods doesn't. But off of that, um, you know, I've always had a, a weird dichotomy in my head. I mean, I'm a pretty free market guy, but I love college sports, so I live with that cognitive dissonance, and I'd rather, you know, I think most of the players are getting a good deal. Um, and as a Western fan, this is where it really worries me. I mean, we're broke as is. Bowling Green's only a town of 50,000 people. I think, you know, uh, as this progresses, you know, keeping players that, you know, you get diamond in the rough, stuff like that will be harder and harder to do. You know, you might get him on camp, like a D'Angelo Malone. He's tearing it up this year. Imagine if, you know, some some school like even Louisville just is like, here, we're going to give you a $10,000 endorsement deal from this one, you know, booster, boom. What What's going to stop him from doing that? Nothing, because we couldn't compete against that. So I'm, I'm worried about that as just my own selfish fanhood. And I'm also thinking it could get annoying when it just comes to, you know, just more and more corporatization, even on a, on a more vast level than it already is. So, I mean, I, I see the, both sides of it. The free market side of me is like, yeah, that's fine. But the, the selfish WKU fan who wants to see us keep striving and competing, you know, worries about it and doesn't think it's good for, for Western moving forward. Okay. Ross, we all know that Louisville uses strippers and not money to get recruits. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> 
Or Kentucky or wherever. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. Yeah. Hey, Georgia Tech does too. All right, okay. Uh, my turn. So I will set my timer here so we can keep this going. Um, so uh, kind of echoing what you all are saying, with this new law going into effect, I feel like it's just a shot across the bow for the NCAA. It's like, you, you know, kind of like Jake was saying, you know, y'all going to need to get your stuff together, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, I think it's good to try and protect the athletes, um, to allow them to uh, be... Uh, to get the you know money that the NCAA is taking, but at the same time, I don't think it's going to happen. I feel like the NCAA is going to go to these schools and say, if you follow this law, you are out. I agree with what Jake was saying about that. And you know, if you if you allow these student athletes to do this, they're out. You know, you're out of the NCAA, yada yada yada. But if you stick with us, you know, you're good to go. Um. But, you know, I'm not, I'm no expert on law, so I have no idea if they can do that or not. But schools like Western, San Jose State, you know, schools like that are going to get crushed. And schools like Southern Cal, UCLA, uh, they're going to flourish because they're going to be able to get that extra money coming in to the athlete, student athletes. And at the same time, they're going to be able to take a percentage, uh, I'm sure, and say, you know, well, this is going to go towards this fund or this will go to this fund and you know, siphon off some of that money as a uh, educational tax or whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't see this law stand having a foot to stand on. Um, I think they worded it so that there was no way that um, the NAIAs, the smaller uh, collegiate bodies, could uh, worm their way through it. Um, do I think it's going to stand up? No. Uh, and I will stop my time with uh, 13 seconds to go. Out of what? Jake, you want to take? I'll, I'll give you your two minutes if you want it. Uh, no, just I agree with you that I don't think it's going to get very far. It'll probably. I don't think it's unconstitutional in California. I don't think it'll necessarily get like struck down by a court. But I think when push comes to shove, everybody there's so much, there's too much money involved with college athletics, and so they'll come to some kind of middle of the road profit sharing trust fund agreement. And I even saw a really interesting thing from Chris Redman, former Louisville quarterback, who said. Uh, he's all for it, but he thinks it should be like in a trust fund that you get after you leave school instead of you know creating the income. Uh, That's an actually, school, which is really interesting. That is an actually really good point to do that. I can see that, um, and then that allows. I mean, my problem, my thing is with uh, college athletes, uh, like some of the kids at Western. I've heard stories of guys who didn't have food and they'd already ran out of their food allotment or whatever. And so they just went to the coaches, and the coaches basically took cans out of their shelves and put them in a box and gave them to the kids so they could have food. Um, yeah, back in the day, it was a huge deal. Well, and I mean, and of course, that's a technically that's an NCAA violation um, for the coaches to give them food. Yeah. Uh, but which, which that, they, they, they made some rule changes so that doesn't happen, happen anymore. Okay, okay, we got three at the same time. Ross said there was cookouts, <laughs> um, but anyway. Um, but, I mean, even at Western, you know, there's people that assist the kids in getting clothing, you know, in case they want to go have a job interview or something like that, um, because some of these kids are from impoverished areas who need the assistance. Uh, so, I can see that. Uh, we actually do have something in the books coming down the pipe, hopefully, here coming uh, 
next Monday, which would be the 6th, is that right? 7th. Yeah, uh, so that'll be Monday, October 7th. Hopefully we'll have a new episode coming out for you. Um, Jared, I'll let you talk a little bit about it. And the reason we're talking about this right now is there is a, a juicy little tidbit uh, that I'll let you talk about. Yeah, so thankfully uh, we had the privilege, me and Matt did, to have our very first interview with someone for the towel rack. Someone definitely deeply rooted into WKU athletics. Y'all could probably guess who it is, but I don't want to say it just because I want to make y'all suffer and <laughs> tune in and listen to everything that we have to say about it because it's definitely going to be some really cool stuff that's in that. A lot of good quotes and insight that we not only that we are able to get just ourselves that we're going to be able to share with you guys on the record so y'all stay tuned follow the towel rack follow red out all of those things that way you can get some pretty awesome coverage that not even like wbko is doing this week so get ready yeah that's uh, it's of course everybody in here right now that's talking on the show already knows what's going on uh but you all have had several interviews with this individual before but this one is the first on the record for you all uh, for us, yeah. so it's, I mean, it's super exciting, and uh, they actually have an opinion about SB206, too, so uh, we'll uh, we'll just keep teasing you all until you get it. Uh, Ross, let's talk some other sports, buddy. How's soccer and volleyball doing? They, you know, we'll get into football here in a second, but it was a perfect weekend on the hill. Uh, you know, we'll start off with volleyball, that uh, they swept Southern Miss and have swept four matches in a row. So they're sitting at, I believe they're at 15-1, and 1-0 uh, in conference. You know, they're basically off to their best start in school history. So they're cruising along, and we're all, like we said last week, circling that early November match against Rice, who's in the top 25 right now. So, you know, stay tuned on that. I think, you know, every week when we do these updates, volleyball is just going to keep cruising because – Conference USA other than Mark Rice is weak, but I mean, Travis Hudson's back with a vengeance, and uh, it's been kind of fun and exciting. You know, if you're bored on a, on a, uh, let's see, who do they play this week? They play Middle Tennessee on Friday, so, you know, HS, yeah. HSSN on Facebook, if you want to spend 20 minutes watching it, it's really great, and the quality's good. It's kind of on par with what the ESPN3 broadcast from WKU is, so yeah, just tune in for that. And then soccer had another double overtime win against unbeaten Louisiana Tech to move to uh, they won two one. They are now six two and one on the season, already topped last year's win total, and are I guess obviously in first place in Commerce USA. So nice. uh, I know I know Devin Devin's a big fan of uh, head coach Jason Nidell, and uh, you know it's been a really great turnaround season for them. So. They play tomorrow uh, against Charlotte at Bowling Green. So, you know, that's on HS, HSSN, too. So, you know, really good season for the, for the non-revenue sports. I, I think women's golf finished in, the, in fourth place in Lexington over the weekend. And uh, I'm not sure how men's golf did, but I don't think it was as good. But, you know, it's been a really great start to the uh, fall season, uh, you know, not in, in, with football even turned it in the right direction. So. Yeah, I actually worked with Coach Nidell for a few of their uh, soccer camps over the summers when I was at Western, and uh, great guy. Uh, always always a pleasure to work with him. Uh, Jared, you've been busy, buddy. Sounds like you got an article about basketball. I'll let you talk about it real quick. What do you got? 
Yeah, I just tried to do my best, kind of touching on everything that's happened over the off season and going into this year, what things were supposed to look like. Of course, I mean, we've talked about it on here before, a lot of roster changes. There were six players that we lost, mostly to transfers. But we've gained eight players coming in. Western will look really solid that way. Uh, they've got a lot of good grad transfers, just a lot of good freshmen, just a lot better core than I think than what they had last year. Like one of the things I've griped about so long in just about everything basketball season last year was talking about how bad the bench was and that you never really got that much production from anybody. But just looking at whoever they will have on the bench, regardless of what the starting lineup is, you're going to have somebody that's going to be a lot better scorer. You're going to have someone that's a better leader. You're going to have somebody to actually contribute coming off of the bench to possibly be like any type of six man, regardless of who that might be which I think that's going to be good for them to have because you need the scoring to continue into the reserves and not just end at your starting five because you're not going to get very far. Uh, That's one of the main things I talked about with that. And, of course, just how the expectations are really high this year. Uh, With Rick Stansberry, it's his fourth year here. Uh, We've all had the expectation of getting back to the NCAA tournament, and he's gotten close the past two years getting to the Conference USA title game. But... We need to get back to the promised land. We need to get back to the NCAA tournament, especially with the roster that he has this year. If he doesn't do it now, then I'm not really sure when he is because he has about the best lineup of players he's had since he's been here. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's kind of frustrating uh, to have such a superstar as Charles Bassey, and then I think it was the buildup of everything, and especially football season last year doing so bad, and then, everybody, and then basketball really didn't, you know, I don't think they met the expectations everybody had for them. Uh, so, yeah. You want to hear something wild I learned today? Western hasn't won a regular season conference title in men's basketball since 2009. Holy crap. It's been that long. I mean, they've won the conference tournament, but they haven't even won a regular season conference title in 10 years. That's when Devin and I were in school. I was going to say, Jared was in wow. middle school, so yeah. I was a freshman in high school, actually. <laughs> Although that's basically the same thing. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah, Jake, you got you missed our birthday wishes for Jared last week, so oh, his first sweet sixteen. Yes, his sweet sixteen. It was so nice. Um, so, Jake, we won. We beat UAB. Um, didn't really get, didn't really get your opinion last week as far as uh, how we were thinking. You were what you were thinking as far as if Western could beat them, but we did. Uh, Western won twenty to thirteen in a very ugly game, and I was very happy. Um, yeah, Devin loves ugly games. I, I, it was, I mean, we won, so of course I'm happy. Uh, That's true. Western Western had 222 total yards. UAB <laughs> had 298. We had uh, we forced four turnovers, uh, even got a fat man interception, which is my favorite interception of yes, all time. Yes, Jeremy Darvin. Should have, Shout out. should have like six interceptions. Yeah, yeah, we, we really should have. Yeah. Uh, and if I hear what is it name? What is his name? Jonathan Taylor Thomas the third or something? Uh, <laughs> Tyler Johnston the third. That's what it was. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, I will say the uh, the broadcast crew they had. Uh, Brandon did a good job. Um, I always like to hear his commentary and what he kind of thinks as far as uh, the offensive minded person. But the other broadcaster, he's every time it was Tyler Johnston the third. Tyler Johnston the third, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, can we just call I'm him glad TJ I was at the game, or else that would have been annoying to hear." Uh, it was. It wasn't. It wasn't FIU versus WKU bad, but it was still pretty rough. Um, 
but uh, and Western and UAB had seven penalties apiece, uh, where UAB had 67 yards of penalties, Western had 71. Uh, so there's that. I mean, it's not nothing really. Uh, I think the turnovers is what kept Western in the game, most definitely. Um, definitely. Uh, Western, uh, uh, Jake, you watched, right? Oh yeah. Okay, what did you think, bud? I'll let you go first. Um, well, like you said, it was super duper ugly. I was super happy for the win, and there were some things. I mean, that they were able to execute. Most of them were on the defensive side of the ball and special teams. Um, but like you, like we always talk about, you win two out of the three phases, and you typically get a win, and that's what Western was able to do. Kind of backtracking to what I thought going into the game, I thought uh, UAB should be a touchdown favorite. Um, you, at least in our neutral field, you take it down three, so four, four point favorite uh, on the home field. I thought their defensive front was just too good. Um, I don't. I do love seeing the Southern Miss people talk trash on Twitter. It's like, listen, we just beat UAB and y'all got blitzed by us. Y'all need to chill out. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll see later on the season. Um, but, I mean, Washington, so yes, this is a good win. This is progress. It was good to see. So, defense was obviously, they played well. Um, they capitalized when they when they needed to. Uh, they took advantage of mental mistakes on behalf of UAB's quarterback. And uh, on the offensive side of the ball, we talk about positives. Uh, the kind of, I guess, my surprise of the game was that Ty Story took care of the football. Yeah. Uh, I know we had some problems with Duncan with that earlier in the season, and you know, he made some progress in that Louisville game before he tragically got injured, but I was super concerned that Ty Story was just going to go in and throw like four picks, especially considering that first, you know, botched, shovel, pass, whatever, um, fumble uh, at the, in the very first play of the game. That was awful. Which I was, that was an watching awful it call. on my TV, and I was just like, oh, God, here we go. Oh, no. Awful call, by the but, way. I completely think that was a backwards pass, but go ahead. Yeah, so yeah, it was one of those things where, all right. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, and so I just, I, I was happy to see that he took care of the ball. He's not dynamic. He's not a world beater. He's a game manager, but that just might be where we are this season. And if so, just go get the wins and build for next year. I th- I, I, I kind of disagree with, uh, I don't think he's a game manager. I think he does have a lot of possibilities. I think he's a lot faster than Duncan, whether that's because of Duncan's injury or what, but... I mean, Ty Story led our rushing. Yeah, um, and that's it crazy. Wasn't really efficient rushing, but yeah. No, yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he basically had two yards per rush. Uh, <laughs> two Brian Ellis' chagrin. His yeah. pocket presence was really solid. I mean, there was a lot of times where everything was kind of collapsing around him, and he was still able to make something out of it, which, I mean, you put someone like Duncan or somebody else in that situation, it probably wouldn't have ended well. They would have just chucked up a terrible throw or got sacked. But, I mean, he has good pocket presence. I think he's getting there. I mean, it was his first start this year. I mean, the more he gets involved in the system and gets more first-team snaps and all that, it's definitely going to help. And having that extra week during the bye week, too, to be able to get ready is probably another good thing that happened as well. But overall, I was impressed with Story. I mean, he doesn't have to gun it out a whole lot. It's going to be interesting to see how he looks once teams start getting scouting reports on him and see that he's more of a runner. They might try to jam stuff up the middle a little bit and force him to throw it a little more and see how he kind of does in those situations. But at least for right now, I mean, he looks pretty good. Ross, what did you think, buddy? I mean, I mean, I'm ecstatic. I mean, I wrote the recap, and I think it was seven or eight. Yep. 
minutes long. Uh, <laughs> you know, great team win. You know, I think the number one goal for the defense was not to get burnt deep, and then you get burnt deep once. So, I mean, and they were sitting back there, and basically they gave – I don't – I'm not – Western's middle middle back seven isn't great. I think you've got some good players like Kyle Bailey and Devin Key and stuff like that, and you've got a bunch of – like, I mean, Jaden Hunter's been disappointing. He had another two-tackle game, and – you know, that's where we missed somebody like Eli Brown. But we are basically, with with that adjustment that we made during the bye week, we're letting our studs like D'Angelo Malone and Juwan Jones disrupt people. I mean, D'Angelo Malone leads all of defense alignment with, or with tackles, all defense alignment and tackles in the country. He had, you know, two sacks, three tackles for a loss. And I said on Twitter the other day on the Tower Rack account, he's the best uh, best most disruptive D lineman we've had since Quantara Smith back in 2012. So it's good to see us have some more guys. I think we're lacking a little bit of playmakers on offense. We've got to get uh, what's his, uh, Josh Simon the ball more. I mean, we got him three touches this game. Let's double that. Let's get him six touches and see what he can do. Because I think, you know, everybody else is kind of a flawed player. Jeff Core Pearson had a really good game. I think he can be a good, you know, Poor man's Nicholas Norris, but we've got to keep getting those guys the ball. I think that's what's going to help Ty Story take that to the next level. And our defense isn't always going to be on like that. So, you know, now it's up to the offense. We've got to get Cage Walker going again. But, you know, overall happy. We, I mean, we stood up, we won a game, and we didn't fold. And, you know, I thought UAB kind of controlled the game until the fourth quarter. So, I agree. I and I know Jake's favorite receiver, Lucky Jackson, had uh, 44 yards, but Jacor Pearson just kind of stepped up, and I mean he did an amazing job. Um, and I mean the only thing that would have made me happier Saturday is if uh, wasn't that Dar? You said Darvin, Jeremy Darvin, right? Yeah, the big man. If he would have scored, I would I would have probably that like awesome. I would have just ran out of my house and done that whole oh my god around the house. And my yeah, it was like when the Dominican Sioux got a touchdown for Tampa Bay this past Sunday. That was kind of wild. Yeah, was it against the Dolphins or what? No, this is against whoever. No, they beat the Rams, uh, the Rams which was oh, yeah. ridiculous. That was a big upset. That's uh, yeah. That was yeah. I, I was extremely thrilled. Um, yeah, you're still there, Jake. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, um, I'm still here, man. Uh, I mean, great game. I was extremely happy. I have nothing really to add. I think you all covered everything. Um, I will say I do have an award this week. Uh, the Oscar goes to Clayton Bush. Um, I don't know if anybody else saw that. Uh, where, dude, that was wild. That was hilarious. First off, yeah, that because was good. That the, was good. <laughs> I mean, the funny thing is, UAB's guys are on the field and the coaches are all pointing to the replay. They're like, "Look, he knocked his own helmet off." Uh, so. Uh, what was that? Was that a, what was it, a punt return or it was a defensive play? He's getting blocked, his helmet almost comes off, and he takes his hand real quick and smacks his helmet off, so, <laughs> so that he could get the penalty because it is illegal to knock the helmet off the other guy, so, uh, and that's, that was, uh, props to you, buddy, props to you, slow clap. Um, so, looking ahead, uh, we've got ODU this week, we're playing uh, at uh, isn't, it, isn't it Norfolk? Isn't that right? Isn't that yeah, where they're yeah. at? Yes, Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, a nice seventy degree uh, forecast for the game. Uh, so far, Western is two and two 
uh, all-time series against ODU, so we need to go down there and get a win. And Vegas is projecting us a three-and-a-half-point favorite with a 71.1% FPI index, uh, or football power index is what that stands for. Um, last week they had us at 61, and we both thought that was a little high. This week at 71, I don't know if I'm quite as sure as I was last week. What do you all think? Yeah. I mean, uh, Old Dominion just had a really solid game against Virginia, this nationally ranked and everything. And they should have won that game, but they, they did not come out in the second half at all. That they, kind of really, they really blew that one. They beat Virginia Tech last year, but, I mean, they still struggled a whole lot. We should have beat them last year, but instead we had two untimed penalties that led to that field goal that they got, which is still – Probably the most oh my gosh. tragic and abysmal loss that I've ever seen in football. Yeah, you can say that a lot about the Mike Sanford era, though. But, I mean, yeah. looking at Old Dominion now, I think it'll be pretty solid. They're very close to what UAB is as far as how they kind of do things. But I'm not really sure how it's going to turn out. I hope that Westerns does pretty good. But we'll have to wait and see. I, 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 can, I can agree with that. And the, I think the thing that makes that worse with that penalty is that uh, it ended up on SportsCenter. Which was even more humiliating, um, but uh, kind of expanding on what you've been, what you said last year, they beat Virginia Tech. This year, they lost thirty-one seventeen to Virginia Tech in week two. Uh, they this also this isn't a good Virginia Tech team if you watch the Duke game. Yeah. Well, and then they lost to Virginia this year, twenty-eight seventeen, and apparently Virginia was ranked number twenty-one at the time. And then this past week, uh, they played East Carolina. And lost to them twenty four twenty one. a decent AAC team. They're not great, but yeah. they've got a new coach that came from Jane Madison. So usually that's that's a program I think Western could go for as a support level. But that's that's an off season topic. But uh, you know, I, I've done some research. Obviously, you know, I did a Q and A that's going to come out tomorrow or Friday on the uh, you know what the ODU be rider from under or dog dynasty, you know. This is a bellwether game for us. This is a game with three and zero start on the line. You know they're reeling. We can put if we can put them away. Uh, their quarterback Smart is a dual threat guy, which always gives us problems. I mean, he's ran for 163 yards and five touchdowns, and he's one touchdown pass and four interceptions. So hopefully we're ready to go against a mobile quarterback. Tyler Johnson actually had a pretty good game running the ball against us last week. So that worries me. You know, we need to spy smart and make their running game beat us more than anything. But, uh, you know, if, if we want to make a bowl game, if we want to do this, you know, have a successful first season, you go into Norfolk, you've got all, you've got probably the most momentum you've had all season. Now go in there, finish drives, take the next step, and really build on it before a real statement game possibility against Army. So. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, and I'm just hoping that uh, Smart is uh, not so smart this weekend uh, and keeps throwing those interceptions. Uh, and, and like you said, I kind of made my notes uh, before the podcast, and the strength for ODU is definitely the dual-threat quarterback, but the weakness is Smart's throwing. Uh, throwing four interceptions is not helping him out at all. And he has is that I think he's sixty nine for a hundred nine though so far this season, uh, so sixty three percent yeah yeah so I mean that's I mean that's not I mean it's sixty three percent better than that's every other pass basically but um, you know we'll we'll see how it plays out uh, Jake what are your thoughts on the game this weekend 
Um, I think the the point spread on this one, honestly, is probably about right. Uh, but I, I mean, like, it comes to this: if the defense executes even half of what they did as far as turnovers and, and limiting scoring opportunities against Old Dominion, and makes any step forward in the either the rushing or the passing game, to be perfectly honest. Whichever one you can get going, I don't think you need both uh, to perform super well against Old Dominion. Um, like you said, this it's a decent Virginia team, not a good Virginia Tech team. And that ECU team, while they're tra- traditionally a pretty stout program, aren't world beaters this year either. They're not their traditional you know, good football play themselves. Um, so I see a good chance for the Tops to win. I take nothing for granted this season. I think what we've seen is that every game is going to just be gross and claw their way to victory if they get it. And I'm fine with that. Um, I just want to see some improvement on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I'm fine with a Lieutenant Dan quote, crawling through the mud winning this season as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the mud. I, just, I, just, I want one of those games where we where everything clicks and we get the 35 or 42 point games. I think you know we're capable of doing that. I mean, even against UAB, and we didn't have a lot of yards. You know, there was that that offensive face mask on Fortenberry that caught the touchdown called back. There, you know, we only scored twenty, but we should have probably scored thirty against UAB. You know, let's go out there, finish a couple more drives, get some more confidence, and get you know get the playmakers rolling. So we're not you know winning every game by the skin of our teeth. So, so uh, Ross, you kind of touched on that briefly, but. I want to just expand, not attack, expand how awful the refs were this past weekend. First you off, say that like it's anything different. Because I know. I, I, I should be used to the craptastic Conference USA refs, but, uh, refs, but anyway. I know, they're so bad. So bad. They were calling the wrong numbers like every single time. And that was, was my favorite. They called like an offensive penalty against Western and then the guy... The dude in the booth would be like, "Well, that's uh, that that's D'Angelo Malone's number. Uh, he's obviously not on the field. Uh, I'm not sure who they're talking about there." Yeah, exactly. Stephen Duncan's number. <laughs> Stephen Duncan was another one. Yeah. And then they called. What was it? It was like 64 or something. And they're like, "That that's not even on Western's team. I don't even know who they're talking about." Uh, which that Fortenberry penalty, I I thought that was weak sauce. I didn't. I, I'm pretty sure uh, Tyson Helton and. Uh, was that the call that Brian Ellis was yelling from the booth that he thought was ridiculous? or? Well, it was the holding penalty that was called on uh, Ja'Core Pearson. He had another big uh, catch and run that went for almost like 60 yards, and it got called back. But that was so funny because I was up close to where uh, the booth is, and hearing him yell, I was like, what in the world is going on? And it wasn't until I saw what Matt said in the group chat talking about his Brian Ellis. See, there was a UAB player that got hurt on that play, and I thought it was somebody from UAB like yelling, saying, y'all are hurting our players or something stupid like that, but thankfully not. But it was actually really funny. Yeah, that's I, I don't blame him, though, because I'd be really frustrated. Uh, I did see uh, where they had an interview with Brian Ellis this afternoon, and uh, he wasn't very happy with Ty Story running as much as he did. Um, I oh, just that, that sack that he took when you know we could have gone up by ten. I, I mean, I I listened to the press conference for help on Monday, and God, you just that that's where throw the ball away. Mudson's been pretty good since the first game. Let's let's ha- let him nail a, a game winning. You know, a game ceiling kick instead of taking that bad sack. Completely agree. Yeah, I mean, excuse me, sorry guys, I'm an old man. Um, but yeah, completely agree. Um, with, I think there, 
I think it's just getting the rust off, kind of so to speak. Um, especially like the first or second series there uh, with uh, with story. Uh, he he had you know that kind of um, those few moments where you're like, well, what are you doing? You know, I mean, with the uh, you know the, with the uh, forward pass or you know backward pass, whichever way you want to call that, and um, and then like some of those little stupid mistakes. Uh, you know, but I, I think he's learning. I think he's going to be okay. I think we'll be good against ODU uh, so far. Um, we'll see. Uh, but the game's going to be uh, this Saturday, I think it is, the 5th. Yes, it's going to be Saturday uh, on ESPN Plus, 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central. Um, so, let's jump into the mailbag real quick. Um, not very many this week. Uh, somebody is wanting, uh, Ronald, Ronald Hall wants to know where was Shanley looked for him on the sidelines. Couldn't find him. I didn't even look. He was there. I remember I was talking with Tyler Eaton with Red Tail Radio before the game. Good buddy of mine in Franklin. And we were looking at all the quarterbacks when they were throwing on the, just kind of warming up and everything. And we were evaluating all of them and I saw him. So uh, I did see, uh, Steven Duncan on the sidelines with his little, uh, scooter. Yeah. Um, I completely think they should get him one of those Walmart scooters because I think that would be even funnier. And he could just put the ball in the little basket and drive around. By far my favorite thing. Um, apparently nobody else thinks that. Um, uh, Sean Taylor says, run blocking, period. Okay, Sean. Love you, buddy. But Western's offensive line is going against probably the top defensive line in the conference U- uh, U- with Conference USA in UAB. I don't think that it's such an understatement for them to to not perform as well as they did. Um, I know his, uh, his some of his takes got to be cold takes this week, but... Uh, here's, just, here's the thing. I don't think it's going to get better this week because ODU's got a really stout defensive line, too. Yeah, so, yeah. They're... I, I, totally, I totally agree we need to get the running game going. You know, this last two games has been crap, but... I don't look for it to improve this game. So I don't either. I mean, like you said, uh, rushing yards allowed, ODU allows 94, and we're only rushing 89. So if we hit 90 yards, I think that's a miracle uh, in that aspect. But we'll see. Um, let me see. If I can, let me get the other mail. Let me get the uh, red out Twitter from, pulled up here. Adam says, there have been moments where our offense looked like they have potential for deep explosive passes but they just haven't been able to complete them thus far this season. How long do you think it'll take for that part of the passing game to get dialed in? Uh, Jared, what do you think, bud? How long is it going to take? Uh, hopefully not too long. I mean, that, now that Story is probably going to be the guy for the whole season, and barring something happens to him with injury, I hope not. But, I mean, I think that they'll get there eventually. I mean, he's not going to be gunning it a whole lot. But I think if he can stay with those consistent mid-passes, like 10, 15, 20 yards or so, just try to get past the first down marker. I mean, you can run those curl routes and pick it up that way. But as long as they're not calling screens on, like, third and 15 for literally no reason, like last year, I mean, that just – That's that forward. 
Yeah, so, I, I think that, that I think we're dealing with two different coaches here. So I, I don't yeah, think there's a lot to worry about there. For, from what I've seen with Coach Helton and everything, I mean, I like the plays that he's calling. I mean, there's a lot of different random things that I like that he did. Like, I'm a big fan of the pistol, and he had ran something out of that. I thought that, that was really cool. And I think that the more that stories continues to develop and get used to his system and everything, the better. And I, he'll definitely be a good person to have, too, when we play at Arkansas because they just lost to San Jose State not too long ago. So we should definitely have a shot of potentially beating an SEC team on the road going into the Fayetteville later this year. I'll be there. <laughs> All right. So Ross uh, is going to be there. In I got two, two cents on this one. Uh, I think, you know, what we're really missing, and, you know, this is kind of something that, you know, somebody like Dean Tebow on uh, the Facebook group, we've lost a lot of playmakers over the years and haven't, you know, we've replaced K1 Taylors with Lucky Jacksons and stuff like that. And, that where those kind of guys are like a, a Nicholas Norris with a Jack Ward Pearson, where you know they can have their moments, but consistently depending on them. He, you know, Helton said something in this athletic article today. We just don't have the the playmakers that they had when they were here before. So you know, it's the offense is always going to be trial by trial by fire now. And you know, after losing Duncan, and Story's going to take a couple games to get going. The game, I think we'll, we could, could see ourselves uh, kind of take a step forward would be against Charlotte. Their defense average or allows like 392 points a game. If we don't get it going by then, then I don't know if we'll ever get it going. So. 392 points a game? Or yards, sorry. I was like, good God, man. <laughs> that would That's be like incredible. Madden rules. <laughs> yeah, but they, they yeah. lost a lot of shootouts. And, you know, if, if we can't put 35 on the board against them, then – that's when that's when it's like okay I don't know if it's ever going to get better this season. Yeah, I uh, I agree there. I mean, of course Charlotte did play Clemson too, so that didn't really help them. Um, well, also against App State, against I mean FAU, against even yeah. like UMass, they they've given up points. So yeah, I think that, like you're saying though, the lowest scoring uh, team against them would be FAU, and they scored 45. So uh, it's not really a good sign there for them. Um, Jake, what do you think, buddy? How long is it going to take for Western to get be able to go deep? Uh, uh, season, um, <laughs> consistently. Um, I mean, I mean, what, what do you want? Dude? Like, look, you got a guy who has not shown. I mean, okay, yes, this was his first start for WKU. That's fine, but he also didn't show that at Arkansas. He wasn't a consistent passer. Um, I don't have a lot of faith in the quarterback's history until they show me something. Hell, they could go and throw deep bombs down the field against UAB and win by 30 points. That would be amazing, and I would probably eat all the crow and be happy about it. But we don't have um, an excellent step-up playmaker receiver. We do not have um, anybody currently active who has a uh, consistent cannon of an arm. And until and, and against ODU, like Ross mentioned, with such a, with such a um, good defensive line, we're not going to be able to open up the run game probably very much, which has... You preached to me all the first year of Mike Sanford's uh, uh, tenure, which was absolutely correct. That if you can't establish any sort of run game, how in the world are you going to take advantage of those over-the-top throws? So, honestly, God, I, again, I see this season as a management, develop this, the players that you have um, so that in the future you have uh, more developed explosive playmakers. I think Walker can be one, um, but we'll just, and, we, and we've seen him do that you know, in the run game. Uh, We'll just have we'll just have to see, man. I I don't have a huge amount of faith in the offense this year. 
Yeah, Jake. Um, Jake's kind of our uh, pessimistic anchor, where the rest of us <laughs> I, is extremely happy. Jake's just kind of like, wait, you know, somebody left their shoe untied, guys. Wait to calm down, okay? And I mean, I'm super excited about the win. I just don't have to be super excited about the rest of the season. Like, I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to see positive movement. But if you want me to jump on like a, we're going to a bowl bandwagon. I am way. I'm not there yet either. So don't don't even think that. Uh, But I I think this team has a has an upside potential that that's the seven and five upside. But I think they do have the downside of the. Uh, the four and eight, you know, downside as far as that goes. Um, but I think I think Ty Story is that deep threat. He did take some deep shots, and I, I kind of like that. Um, I think Duncan is more hesitant on those deeper throws like that. And, I mean, Story ain't afraid to get down there and get rough. And I thought that I liked that, too. I liked watching that. I did, um, I did like that. He's tough as nails. And I hope he stays tough as nails, knock on wood. Um, yeah, I'd rather Story do like he's doing and just stay with these like mid-range passes instead of trying to be like Duncan and throw into triple coverage deep and get picked off. So, I mean, that's what it is. Okay, so Adam uh, Adam's question is a two-parter. Uh, so, also, our run game was non-existent this past game. How crucial do you think it will get how, – how crucial do you think it will be to get that back to win at ODU? Okay, let me read that one more time because I got confused. How crucial do you think it will be to get that back to win at ODU? So he wants us to get our run game back. Okay, I got you. Army is a couple weeks away. Do you think this game with ODU's defense will help us get ready for Army or just wear us out? Uh, I think it could be a good... Uh, if we keep our injuries to a minimum, I think we it could be a good game to get us ready for Army. Do I think we're going to beat Army? No, I'm sorry. Um, well, the thing with Army is if, if Western wants any shot, they've got to score. Because you've got to get them, they're going to control the ball. They're going to just beat the crap out of you with that triple option. So the only way you can get that to overcome that is to score and make them speed them up pretty much. So we did that against Navy in the past. We did that against Army in the past. Now we've got, you know, well, let's beat ODU first, but let's not get too beat up in the process. So Well, and of course those were past teams. I mean, this is... Yeah. We're looking at a, quote, rebuilding year or whatever you want to call it. Um, So, like I've been preaching before with Army and Navy and all those military institutions that have teams, those dudes are conditioned out the wazoo. They have practice at like 4 in the morning, and then they do their PT afterward. Uh, So, they can run all day long. I mean, even the big guys can run all day long. Uh, So, I mean... Loving the questions, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, Jared, what do you think, buddy? Is this game going to get us ready for Army, or are we just going to get wore out? Well, I mean, I hope not. I mean, I hope this is a really good test for them to continue to condition, obviously, and be able to get ready for a game where they're just going to be running it down their throats pretty much the entire time. But it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, I haven't done as much research on any of the Conference USA schools much in football at this this point. But just seeing, like, from what they've been doing this year, they've lost a lot of close games. They've had some good moments where they were beating a nationally ranked team but didn't come out in the second half. I mean, that sounds kind of familiar. But getting ready for Army, I mean, they obviously – need to do that but yeah they got to get through old dominion first because winning your conference games is what really matters if they can continue to stay undefeated in the usa that could be a pretty big deal 
Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you there. Um, Jake, what's your thoughts, bud? On whether or not ODU is going to just beat us up before Army? Yes. Are we? Is ODU going to be a a, prep, a preparation thing? Is it going to help us get ready for Army, or is it just going to cut us down and keep us from well, being... Well, look, I'm here to tell you, nothing gets you ready for Army style of play. I mean, they, it just, it, it, it doesn't. Um, yeah. I mean, they, they play even... I got a buddy at work who's a big fan of Army, and he, he absolutely... He also really loved Georgia Tech back when they ran the triple option. Um, he just like, forward pass, what is that? Uh, so no, I don't think anything gets you ready for Army. I think, I mean, it maybe not in style of play, maybe in a mental aspect. So you go out, you win a tough one against ODU, or even better, you build some confidence up by, you know, winning convincingly, you know, and convincingly to me would be, you know, by, you know, seven and a half, you know, that seven and a half spread, like winning by a touchdown or more, uh, would be a convincing win for me. You get that, and then maybe you're in like a better, better mental position uh, to take on Army, but I don't necessarily think playing anyone else in the country prepares you for such a weird team like Army. Yeah, Army and Navy are both really weird as far as their uh, their strategies uh, go offensively and defensively, etc. Um, so, okay. I'm going to kind of go to a, a little cold take here because I really want to get onto this one. Um, I shared this with Jared earlier this week, and I think it is completely ridiculous, and I want to hear what you all say about this. Okay, so this comes from Sean. I love you, buddy, so don't feel like I'm making fun of you, but I just want you to know this is a cold take. Uh, This is the first time in 10 years that we've won a meaningful regular season home game that the crowd packed the house and was loud and was electric, and it was a close game. And we actually came out on top. Normally we'd lose, and the home games wouldn't be packed no more for the rest of the season. Now that we won, and it puts us at 2-0 and in the conference, uh, we got to build on this and bust A, the test of the season, uh, with a packed house, rest of the home games. Good win, Tops. It's early, though. So, I don't know if he is setting up that that we didn't have every single one of those things that he mentioned that uh, that the the crowd packed the house that it was loud it was electric it was a close game and we actually came out on top so there's like four things there is that what he's saying we didn't get all of those because we've had those I mean what was that Marshall what was that 16 15 14 I don't even remember it was when Brom was here. Um, and it was when Jake basically almost got in a fight with the drunk dude, and I had to step in. Uh, hey, I did not get in a fight with either of those yes. drunk people. Thank you very much. Yeah, that was uh, that was a th- wasn't that Thanksgiving? Isn't that right? I know that's what Ross just said, but I it think was it- a it was around. Yeah, it was when they went for two on uh, like up two touchdowns and went for two because they tried to ice the kicker when it was clear they were already going to lose. Yeah, and I mean that was that was a fairly large crowd that game. I mean, it was a good crowd. It was electric. It was it was a good game. This is a pretty it's a pretty cold take. I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah, and I mean, well, I mean, in his defense, I think it is a very significant thing just for the fact that at least for me being there and being in the environment, it did feel like getting that win. It's a close game. You win it in the second half. There's twenty thousand people there. Like it was reinvigorating, and it kind of put all of the pain that we experienced from the Mike Sanford era behind us. I think that's what felt so nice about it is because. I mean, with Sanford, bless his heart. I mean, he was barely able to win the UTEP game. I mean, that was one that we were able to blow out in front of barely 8,000 people, which was sad. 
But it just yeah, kind of showed how, how things have changed. How, how did the crowd look, you know, like in the second half of the UAB game? It looks pretty solid, stay? honestly. Like, people came in a little later. Like, there was people still coming in through the first quarter and everything. But once everybody was in there, I mean, that was probably the biggest crowd we've had since the Vanderbilt game in 2016. It looked really good. So that's parents, parents Weekend always packs it. I mean, that's that's you got to take the crowd with a little bit of a grain of salt because you know half of those people don't care because they're just there to go party with their kids or whatever. But take it where we can get it. Yeah, hey, you do what you can. Yeah. Um, but my thing is too with that UTEP game you were talking about, even though it was senior night, that weather was awful that weekend too. And I mean, I'm sure. The uh, the record for Western and Sanford at that point didn't help motivate people to want to go watch that game. Because I don't know if fans honestly thought we would win that game, as bad as that sounds. Um, Jake, what are you thinking? How bad a cold take is this? I mean, it's about... Okay, so it, it's almost like this thing where you can kind of couch it in that there were four things there. It was, it was this, and was this, and was this, and was this. We haven't had anything like that. Uh, yes, it was a large crowd, so that's really good. Um, and it was a win, electric and all that. My main take is, like, meaningful home wins. Because um, I don't think you get to have all of it when you make... I mean, again, you're putting way too many modifiers on it. But I think <laughs> that the heart of this is, this is the first time we've had a meaningful home win in a long time, and everybody wouldn't show up. He's right that people wouldn't show up if you pee down your leg. Like, that's that's good. Tops fans do that, bless their hearts. Um, just get ready for basketball season. But... Uh, uh, some of the Marshall home games were huge. Conference USA championships were some of the most electric crowds. Uh, the first Southern Miss uh, one where we, well, we swung the field both times. But the time that me and my buddy got into the locker room a little bit, you know, too many frosty wheat beverages, uh, and took pictures with the team and with uh, <laughs> Brandon Taffy. That was awesome. Uh, took pictures <laughs> with him uh, and then got quickly ushered out when they found out we weren't his people. Uh, Are these you people? No, these are my people, man. Uh, you're going to leave. Okay, cool. Uh, everybody was super nice. Uh, it was a good time. Uh, That's hilarious. I've, I've told that story before. It, it was it was it was fun. Uh, irresponsible, but but fun. Um, but no, there's definitely been meaningful home games that were victories where the crowd was electric. Um, within I the past the ten thing, years, too. Yeah, I mean, within like the past, I think four years, three years, like again, like like fifteen and sixteen. Yes. Um, there were lots of home games that were electric. I mean, I mean, come on. Okay, so aside from the crowd, what about the ODU fight on homecoming? Was that not electric enough for you? Like, <laughs> a bench clear and brawl, like that's pretty. And yeah, in a uh, beat yeah. down, homecoming that's pretty electric. Can always packs the house. I mean, that's you gotta say. You know, that's a modifier on any crowd that's not Vanderbilt. So yeah, I, I I'm sorry, Sean. Yeah, and that's uh, love you, bud. But that's cold. Go ahead, Jake. Sorry, buddy. Oh, I was just going to say, that's the thing that really defines the difference for me is crowd size, you know, like I said, being like the second largest crowd since, or the largest crowd since that, that home game against Vanderbilt where it was standing. Like, I'll, I'll give him that. There were a lot of people there, and that was really awesome. Um, so, just so you all know, I found this on Twitter. Uh, the uh, person that posts, he does it fairly often. Uh, it's cold WKU takes on Twitter, uh, and the... Uh, Title of it is WKU Old Takes Exposed. Uh, so follow them. Uh, they'll have some fun things, and we'll help educate you fans so you can understand uh, why some of your takes are cold. 
Uh, it's an absolute pleasure reading everyone's stupidity. I will say that. <laughs> yeah. Being the moderator of the WKU basketball group, it's like you know that there's like a Category 5 hurricane coming pretty soon. So I'm just kind of like boarding up all of my windows and getting all my bread and milk and stuff and all of my stuff. So I'm ready. <laughs> just just, just wait till that, that unexpected road loss to Wright State or EKU or something that we're bound to get. Oh, my gosh. Don't even bring that. Don't wish that on us, Ricky Bobby. You keep that evil to yourself. Uh, So, uh, we kind of talked about this uh, earlier in the week in our group chat. Uh, We're wanting to discuss maybe our favorite or least favorite Southern Kentucky counties. Okay? So, if you're on WBKO looking at the weather, these are the counties you're looking at. Okay, guys? Um... (laughs) So, I grew up in Allen. Jake grew up across the river in Warren County. Uh, Jared uh, grew up in Simpson County. And Ross has a lake house in Allen slash Barron. Uh, so, I guess I'll start off. Uh, I'll start off with uh, one of the counties with Monroe County. Uh, you all oh, nice. may have never heard of Monroe County because you have to drive great, through. Great barbecue. Yes, they do. Uh you have to drive through Allen County to get to Monroe County, or even sometimes Glasgow. Yeah, County if it involves going through Allen County, I stay as far away from Allen <laughs> <laughs> Jared, you can't see my hands oh. right now, but just guess which fingers I'm using. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Monroe County, uh, it is a very isolated, but they have a Walmart. I don't understand that. Uh, <laughs> Allen Walmart. County doesn't even have a Walmart. Uh, sort of like Henderson, Kentucky. Well, you got the Dollar General Market. What else do you need? <laughs> First off, Allen County is the home of the Dollar General. Uh, That's so right. there's that. A palatial estate out there. Yes, but it's so funny. If you charted like where the Walmarts were around South Central Kentucky, they circle Allen County, but they never come in. So I'm guessing like that, well, all that. Gee, dollar, I wonder why. Yeah, I'm guessing all that Dollar General money is just thrown around to keep them out. I guess. I'm t- no, you know what it is? It's that pomada. That's, That's what it is. Those <laughs> Which, by the way, out the competition. You know the pomada has closed, right? I'm sure it's been closed forever because they have a food line. You know, have a food line before us pomada. No, 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 no. See the pomada, uh, which for those of you who have no idea what a pomada is, it's like a Kmart or something. It's like a, a knockoff Kmart, uh, but it closed. I think like ten years ago, ten or twelve years ago in Allen in Scottsville. Um, the food line is just down the street from a different building, but now we have a TSC in the old Pomida building. So Scottsville's going crazy in the in the yes, in the we build. Got Huddle House back. Yes, we do have Huddle House back. That was uh, right next to a funeral home, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, don't understand that either. Dude, so, I didn't know Huddle House was a chain until I like. <laughs> I didn't moved either. There's one. I thought it was just. I thought it was just up on that hill in Allen County like, at the intersection there. As, I started, that's all I thought it was. And then I moved other places. Like, oh, you have. Oh, okay. Like yeah. Apparently, it's a chain. I had no idea. I didn't either. I just thought it was somebody who bought it and named Huddle. I guess I don't know. Yeah, um, I honestly did. I, at first, I thought it was football related. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that that very well could have been because when I was in high school. Uh, after games, some of us would go up there and have you know have a meal or something or talk or you know goof off or whatever at the huddle house. Uh, so yeah, there's that, um, dude. Honest to God, that's what I didn't know that the name of it was Huddle House. I honestly like when I was little hanging out with you when you were playing football, 
I thought that's just what you guys called some place that you went. Like, I did not know it was a restaurant <laughs> until I was, like, a teenager. Um, so, Jared, let's hear you throw some shade my way, buddy. All right, towards Monroe County? Or All right, you throw it wherever you want to. All right, so, I mean, Allen County. I'll just start there. That's always a good place to start. <laughs> of course, of course it's next-door neighbor to good old Allen Simpson County. County where I live at. I mean, the only times I ever set foot into Allen County is one out of pure boredom. There was one time when I was, I think it was still in high school, like finally got my intermediate. Like me and one of my buddies, like we tried to get ourselves lost. And what I did is that I just started driving through all of these back road, country roads, just going through everywhere. And of course, like if I want to get lost, there's one place I know for sure I want to go, and that's toward Allen County. Because it is a forbidden zone to me. There's no reason I should be over there except for Harper's Catfish, which as sketchy as it may look, it is still pretty good. I don't know if they are still up to FDA standards, but the catfish is still pretty freaking delicious, if I say so yeah, myself. It tastes good, but I got Buddy, let me, give you, uh, let me give you a pointer, okay? Don't go yeah. to Cat Harper's anymore. Go to Dumplin's, okay? It's a, it's a lot better. Well, I've been there, too. I mean, it's still good, but I don't know. I mean, I've gone to Harper's, like, my entire life, as long as they've been open. I mean, I've gone at least a couple of times a year, sometimes more, sometimes less. But, I mean, it's still solid. It's sketch. But, I, I mean, I like, I like to live dangerously, okay? I haven't That's been right. to Harper's in probably 10 years. I honestly didn't even know they were still open. Yeah, they're still open, and it probably looks exactly the same as when you were there 10 years ago. They haven't really changed probably. anything. <laughs> Do they still have the flea market next door is what I want to know. Uh, yeah, I about that. yeah, the last time I was there, I was not paying that much attention. Oh, yeah. I was they... trying to make sure we weren't going to run over anybody that's addicted to meth. <laughs> Which, But, I... I mean, as much shade as I throw towards Scottsville, I mean, it's just fun. Because being from Simpson County, you just have that initial sort of like – shade that you have to throw towards Logan County and Allen County, especially Warren County and South Warren and everything, now that they're a thing. So, and even I remember back when Franklin was rivals with Portland down in Tennessee. Like, that was a good rivalry game. Yeah, I remember that was a thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it, that was pretty cool. But now, I mean, just more towards, like, South Warren and stuff like that, staying in state. But, I mean, it's pretty over that way. There's a lot of Amish people, which is cool. I think that's where uh, Haybakers or however you say their name is. They have a it's an Amish market that's really good, delicious stuff. But yeah, I mean, Allen County. I don't know what to tell you. We beat y'all in football too, so you go for yourselves. Yeah, I don't. I like I told Jake the other day. I give zero <laughs> cares about uh, Allen County football. Sorry. Um, that's a shame. I do. Okay. Where's your school spirit, Devin? I'm sorry. I do like Allen County sports, but I don't follow high school sports. Like, my little brother follows it really closely, and, you know, he'll tell me stuff about it, and I'm like, okay. But I just don't have that. I don't have that spirit like I do with Western. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, I mean it just. It's, it's alien to me. You know, we've got a new coach since I was there. Um, they've had the same coach for like basically like 10 years now, probably 10 or 12 years and, you know, best of luck to him. But I, I just don't have that camaraderie like I did with, you know, the guys that I played with. So, um, Dumplin's is probably the best restaurant to get catfish back in the day, uh, before they closed, uh, oh, what was his name? Uh. G-Paws Pay Lake? There you go. Jake's got it. G-Paws Pay Lake had the best catfish in Allen County. I miss G-Paws Pay Lake. 
Yep. Every he, time I think about eating catfish. Oh my gosh, dude! He had banana bread too. Banana bread or it was so good. Yes, and and the uh, hush puppies were amazing. And I swear, like there was a Harper's Mafia or something that took him out, so they would close. Probably. Um, uh, Simpson County. Uh, I don't go to Simpson oh, County God. unless I'm lost. So. Uh, so I mean, that. it's so small, it's easy to be forgotten about, except when you're going through the state line over on L65. That's the only real reason anyone ever you goes through Simpson You don't frequent Kentucky Downs, Jared? Good. Listen, I don't have that much money to begin with, so I definitely don't need to try to, like, gamble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's not a very financially smart decision. Oh, come on now. Uh, but we are the Las Vegas of south-central Kentucky. Y'all can fight us over that. I mean, we got the horse racing. We got the booze and stuff. We got the gambling and all that fun stuff. I mean, there's been a lot of people that have actually won money down there that I've heard of. But, I mean, it, it, it's so, let me tell you about Simpson County. So, oh, great. Okay, here we go. <laughs> all right. So, Kentucky Downs is like a big deal and everything. And not even they want to claim that they're from Franklin. Like, they have those <laughs> Nashville ads. <laughs> They have ads that they run on, like, News Channel 5 in Nashville, uh, the NBC affiliate and Channel 2 and all of that. And they don't even say they're in Franklin. They say they're just, like, 30 minutes north of Nashville off of Exit 2. <laughs> like, y'all aren't even going to say what city or county you're from. That's how bad <laughs> Simpson County mm-hmm. is. Y'all don't even want to claim it. I mean, there's been other people that have lived in Simpson County or were from Franklin, and they moved somewhere else, and they said that they were from Bowling Green. That happens a lot. I would never do that just because, I mean, they would treat me like a celebrity the rest of my life if I have any type of success whatsoever, mostly. Like, I mean, we have Kenny Perry, which, of course, any of y'all that watch golf remember the chug job that he had in the Masters. Worst worst, worst loss as a fan. One of them. Yeah. Yeah, that was sad, but, I mean, it's just like, uh, you got to be kidding me. But And also Joker Phillips, too. He was another one that we had. He's a coach in the U.K. for a little bit, and that did not. That Which he frequents well. He frequents high school football games down there several times, from my understanding. I hadn't seen Joker in a while, but I, that doesn't surprise me. I remember he was offensive coordinator at Florida after that. I don't know where all he's gone since then. Yeah. You guys have a uh, knockoff five guys there for a long time that, Jetters or something like that that went out of business. <laughs> yeah, checkers. We did. Checkers. I remember that. It, whatever building that is, it must have been cursed because it started as a crystals. They went out of business, which made me really sad. I liked crystals, and then they had that. I think it was uh, whatever the name of it was. I can't even remember. There's been like yeah, three or four different it, things. It, it was it was pretty much five guys to a T. They had like the peanuts on the floor and everything. <laughs> yeah, it was. It basically was, and it went out of business like so many other things in this town. Like, this is what happens. Like, we get a new restaurant, and we're like, oh, heck yeah, finally something new to eat. And then all of us go there for a solid two months, and you eat there like four times a week, and you get sick of it, and you don't want to go back there anymore. And then, like, a few months after that, they file bankruptcy, and then they're gone forever. That's <laughs> nobody goes. Like, I can, name, I can name so many different restaurants. Arby's did that. Uh, let me see. Like the, all the crystals did that, Bojangles did that. There's like so many different places in Franklin that went out of business because everybody went there, and then they ate there too much and haven't gone back. And it's a good thing that Popeye's chicken sandwiches are gone right now, or else that could be the case with me. I would get so sick of eating them, but I know I'm gonna be going there all the time once they're back because it's like a mile from my house. So definitely gonna hit up the Popeyes. Jake, what do you got, buddy? 
Uh, for me, I always have to make fun of Butler County. Um, I know they're because they're kind of in that fringe of South Central Kentucky. Uh, and you know, I got I got a, on my mom's side. I got some kin over there, so I can really I can really dig on them. They only come out of the holler like you, you know when they come out of the holler to work at WKU because by God, all the facilities I'm pretty sure <laughs> when I worked there were from Butler County. They were all from the holler. That was they they, they worked for WKU facilities, which shout out to WKU facilities, food on my table for you know thirty years. Shout out to uh, Hunter P who gives us our photos from Butler County. Yeah, yes, I got to Hunter talk to him the before man. the game on His Saturday. Mom, Melinda, fun. Melinda P is awesome. I used to work uh, for her in the stock room WKU. Uh, awesome, awesome person. Uh, super duper helpful. Great woman. Husband's cool too. Uh, but yeah, that's Butler County. I just I have to laugh because like we all talk about like, well, you want to get lost? Go to Allen County, dude. Allen County is a metropolitan area <laughs> compared to Butler County. Like again, it, have you been there? Like I remember. So one of our mechanics is from there, and we had to take, and it still is to this day, a legitimate county road that's still gravel to get to his house. There's still actual county roads that are gravel, and not just somebody's driveway. It's a long driveway that happens to be a county road. Oh, my like, gosh. A legit county road. Goodness. Yeah. Oh so gosh, yeah, we have a road part. in Simpson County that's spray paint road that everybody goes out and spray paints. It's actually pretty cool. That's hilarious. Actually, that's kind of fun. They're actually, talking about that kind of stuff, there is actually a haunted bridge in Allen County. Don't ask me where it is because I never went to it. Oh, I've gone to the haunted hospital in Scottsville too. You just reminded me of that. Have you been to the uh, Skeleton's Lair or whatever? It's right, right. Skeleton's Lair is good, man. Skeleton's Lair is two minutes down the road from me, and I've never gone to it. It's fun. It's right across the line down uh, Cemetery Road. It is. It's real good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always. You're an Undertaker. You're supposed to love spooky stuff. (laughs) First off, there's a difference in spooky stuff and just stupid stuff. So. I have never, I, I take that back, I went one time to Skeleton's Lair, and that's when they had, uh, was his name Cooter from the uh, uh, the Dukes of Hazard when he was there? That is the uh, only yeah. time I've ever been there. I deal with spooky stuff all the time, I have no interest in that kind of stuff, so. I ain't, I ain't messing with that. Uh, Ross, what you got, buddy? So as the only non-South Central Kentucky native, but I do have a lot of uh, roots in the region. Uh, my mom's from Bowling Green, so, um, you know, basically, you know, through blood, or not blood, but I was adopted, but, you know, through stories and going to visit my grandparents in another region, well, we had that lake house at Allen, in Allen County since probably 2002, so, you know, my bonafides are pretty good, and then obviously went to school. I think the funniest place I've been to would be, you know, Logan County for sure. Just, uh, you know, Good a bunch answer. of my fraternity brothers are from there. You know, they would rave about Roy's Barbecue. And <laughs> really, there really isn't anything in Logan County at all. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, you just, you know, I think only one of them stayed there. And it's kind of funny. Uh, you know, some funny other stories. I was telling Devin about this story. I always go to Glasgow instead of Scottsville just because there's more restaurant options. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we would go to Culver's, like, right after they went, you know, when they went moist or whatever, you could go get a beer. So we had this old country waitress, and I got my buddy who's, like, 6'4", 280, big boy. You know, we're ordering, like, tall boy beers. He has two of them, you know, and we're, like, 23, 24. You know, that's not going to phase us. She cuts him off says, you've had enough, honey, 
and we were just like flabbergasted. Like, you know, just good old country. <laughs> I, I know I know what's best for you. That's right, yeah. You can't handle that, buddy. Uh, so, yeah. First off, we love South Central Kentucky. Uh, just because Jake and I have moved away from South Central Kentucky uh, to wherever you want to call Elizabethtown. I don't even know which area would accept uh, it. The Heartland, just Central. The Heartland, okay. That's what uh, they all say. Louisville Metro. Ugh, God, no. Uh, so. <laughs> hey, I'm right in the center of South Central Kentucky. Yes. I mean, and, we uh, still... Simpson, Simpson I'm, County I'm, I'm is the thorn in Tennessee's side. I moved out. No joke. The only time I ever went to Simpson County was either when we played them in sports or when I had to get my letter jacket fixed because I always went to... Uh, isn't that Duke Sporting Goods over there? Yeah. And I don't know if they're still open or not. It's been yeah, I want to say they are twenty years since I've seen them. But yeah, so we love it. We love every bit of the f- living in Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky's a great place. Uh, I know Allen County's getting a lot of shade tonight, and that's fine. Uh, we can take it. Uh, <laughs> we can take it. It's all fine. Uh, y'all just can't handle living in Scottsville or Allen County. Um, <laughs> I don't probably... think I'd want to, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Granted, live in the county, don't live in the city. Just saying. Right. Uh, so, Always. So the... Uh, uh, Paradise Point, shout out. Shout out what? For sure, Paradise Point, he said. Oh, Paradise Point, sorry. Um, uh, so the game's this weekend on ESPN+, Plus, 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, make sure to check it out if you can't make it to the game. Uh, if you can, good look, good job. Uh, you're going to Norfolk. Yeah, uh, but uh, always check out the Tower Rack. Uh, we'll have... Uh, they have articles going out every day, you know, all kinds of information. Uh, some high high celebrity status people check it out, uh, so check that's it right. out. Yeah. Uh, Wait, Courtney Lee reads the towel rack? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, I just you got should. a text. <laughs> I just got a text from uh, Ross, so I'll have to send it to you after the show, Jake. Uh, so, okay. uh, as always, guys, check out the podcast, like, share, and subscribe. We appreciate your support. Uh, we may give you a rough time for your cold takes, but they're still your takes. So that's right. We, we will educate you into why your cold takes are wrong, but you're entitled to your opinion because this is the USA. Uh, so right. uh, check out the game. Support Western. Support Red Out. Support the Tops. And uh, as always, guys, go Tops. Go Tops. Go Tops. Go Tops. Go tops.